testing. One, two, three. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. 大家下午好。Say to one, say to the one to your left, to the right. 平安，平安。Shalom, shalom. <laughs> Welcome to church. Praise the Lord. We had such a glorious time. I really, 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 I mean, be honest. Do you enjoy the camp? Yeah, and I want to thank Mahesh all over again. Where's Mahesh? Our Indian chief, our Indian chief. Hey, thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Because the whole, I mean, the huge weight fall on him to lead the team to pull this together, and we really appreciate that. This camp, uh, we got new call, uh, one who is uh, not uh, 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 foreign to the concept of uh, the church as a kingdom community, one who has been. Part of organic church movements around the world for 20 over years, 30 years now, and uh, we just so uh, we're just so privileged to have him at the camp to share with us uh, about this concept and how God wants to 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 transform the church to be to be ready for the harvest that that must come in towards the last days. Uh, it was such a timely uh, empowerment from him and a reminder of what the Bible reveals to us as. Uh, to be the true nature and DNA of the church as a multiplying, unstoppable movement around the world. Yeah, so uh, we we really are we've been enriched during the camp, and I want to encourage those who have not been to the who 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 uh, were not at the camp to get the messages. It was all recorded, right? Yeah, it was all recorded. We will make it available, you know, so that you can be on the same page, stay on the same page with us, take uh, to walk this journey with us. Yeah, uh, uh, um, do that. Please do that. Before the camp, uh, towards the last stretch. Well, is it towards the last stretch? Almost to the last stretch of our of my sabbatical with my wife. Uh, March, April, uh, May, and it's over by now. <laughs> okay. Anyway, towards the last stretch of our sabbatical, we spent uh, a, a, a week uh, in Germany with another. Uh, um, Wonderful man of God, uh, Wolfgang Simpson in southern Germany. Uh, we we know that he lived by the edge of the Black Forest, and and uh, he's ever invited me. Come, come and just uh, rest at my place. I got room for you, and you can take long walks in the forest. And and then uh, my wife and I actually feel felt that yeah, let's do that. So towards the uh, in May, we we actually flew, and we thought. Uh, I didn't want to put the pressure on him, you know, to entertain us day and night. You know, we just thank him that he would let us use his one of his room. And I said, you don't have to entertain us. You know, we just want to take long walks uh, in the forest. He said, oh, I got plenty of forest here for you to walk. And and please don't forget to eat the black forest cake <laughs> that originated from there. Actually, I found out. You know, so we 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 did that. But lo and behold, it turned out to be such an enriching uh, one week there because uh, he really <laughs> spent time with us. As it turned out, we had such Animated discussion and conversation, and morning, noon, and night. Actually, that that he really poured out of his heart uh, to share of his life experiences, uh, his observation of the move of God around the world, what he's involved with, and the movement that have taken place in this country, in Egypt, in India. You know, uh, and many, many, many things. And 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 it was just. Uh, I felt so privileged listening to him. I was actually taking notes. You know, every time he talked, I whip out my notebook and and I just want to. It's a heritage. It's a heritage. He was downloading on me the mighty acts of God and what God is doing. What has what God has what 
what has God done and what God is doing around the world right now. It's like, wow, you know, it's, it's, you know, to be able to come out of a local church setting to hear the big picture worldwide, what is happening, and it just uh, is very stirring. It's very stirring. And, and I learned so much from him in, in that course of the week there and, and how church can be so different, you know, the, that, that uh, it, it reminds me all over again that what I'm used to, what I've been brought up in, you know, is just one aspect of church and there's, the expression of the church can be so different as God moves on its people all over the world in different settings, different environment, different culture and, and, and all with the ultimate goal of reconciling His lost children back to Himself, you know, and, and it it reminds me all over again in all the conversation with him that, that we really need to rediscover church. We really need to discover the true nature and purpose of the church and, and, and how God has intended it to be and to bring about uh, the restoration of, of its original DNA so that it can be that, that missional community that God has de- actually designed the church to be. It's such an urgent message at, at this uh, uh, juncture. Uh, I, I want to title this uh, sharing from my heart. And I want to uh, tell you ahead of time, I'm not going to use scripture. <laughs> Some people may freak out. How come uh, today? Uh, not from the Bible one. Uh, you know, it's intended to be this way. And you understand the reason in a while. All right, I just want to share many things from my heart about the missional communities that the Church of Jesus Christ was originally created by God to be. And, and today we want to rediscover this church that is supposed to be a missional community, a community with a mission that is embedded into our DNA from the very beginning by God to be able to, to reach out to the rest of the world. We, we need to rediscover that. And, uh, and, uh, and I want to do this in a series. Uh, so I want to call this part one. I want to title it Rediscover Church. And then we will continue in the, in, in the next few sessions. I, I, yeah, I think we'll take a few sessions. All right? and I want to start with this uh, quotation, uh, this, this finding by a very eminent man, an author. Uh, his name is David Barrett. He's the author of the book uh, uh, and the research uh, uh, called the, the World Christian Encyclopedia. All right? He said this, he observed this and made these uh, findings. David Barrett, author of the World Christian Encyclopedia, he estimated in the year 2005 that there were about 112 million churches, uh, churchless Christians worldwide at that point. That means they're Christians, but they don't go to one of these uh, congregations around the world to worship in. All right? and, and, and that constitutes about 5% of all believers. All right? and, and he estimated that this number would double by the year 2025 to 224 million. So right now, we are halfway there already. No, we're more than halfway there already. Yeah. Uh, because he, he, he estimated in 20 years' time. So since then, 13 years have already transpired. You know. So he said it will double to this kind of amount. So actually, uh, the, greatest, the greatest, fastest growing Christian group, so to say, in the world today, it's actually the unchurched. So what it means is that many are falling away from church as we know it, this way of doing church, for various, various reasons. All right? And these are uh, uh, empirical numbers for us to crunch. All right? So he talked about how, in his book, he talked about how uh, 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 we, these are called the post 
a congregational Christian. Now, allow me to share many terms today. Uh, be patient with me because there's something that I really feel that God wants to, to, to communicate with us, to express from His heart to us as a church for such a time as this. All right? And, and uh, we will go a little deep today to understand this, why change is needed. All right? These are called post-congregational Christians. They, they, they no longer go to a congregation or a congregational uh, a church. You know, and this is actually today's fastest growing number in terms of what kind of Christian. For various reasons. Some many choose actually, they choose to continue their Christian journey outside in the institutional church. I mean church as we know it today. And they have chosen to do that. Something that has already evolved since the time of what fourth century, time of Constantine, you know, and of all these uh, what we call the post-congregational Christians. Um, actually, they have left the church. Many have become nominal Christian, call it, you know, nominal Christian with very little expression of their uh, Christian faith. Sadder still, some have, uh, I do not know the exact number, but also there, were, there are many that have actually left the faith altogether. So that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. We need to, to be aware of it. While we are busy in this ecosystem doing church as we know it, this is a big picture of what is happening around the world. So, what is happening in the midst of it, there are also good that is happening. All right? There are new ways of doing church that are evolving. So, there are, uh, so these people who are uh, ecclesiologists, you know, uh, experts in church and church movements, and they, they make studies and they, re and they research and they realize that there are also many who are evolving new ways of doing church, which is uh, what I want to talk share with us today. This session is meant to be a continuation of what uh, uh, we covered during the church camp about the church as a kingdom community. And I just want to follow up and continue from there, the, 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 the thought processes. All right. What are these new ways of doing church? You know, there is a growing uh, uh, group, rapidly growing group, however, that has evolved new ways of doing church very organically. Their spiritual journey uh, it's outside the in, uh, institutional church, but they are, they are growing in a very natural way. When I say organic, I mean very naturally. You know, just like when we say organic vegetables. Who, who, who do buy organic vegetables? You know why you're buying organic vegetables? You don't want added things, added pesticides, uh, you know, chemicals to, as fertilizers and all that. You want something very natural. You know, and when I say organic church, I, I'm, I'm talking about the church that has evolved very naturally uh, wherever life takes place, uh, in their homes, in their workplaces, even amidst their leisure pursuits and hobbies, and, their, and church is evolving there. Uh, so I want to, to uh, create awareness this afternoon of, of, of such movements that are sprouting out all over the world too in the midst of, of people leaving the institutional church en masse such, a, such groupings are also evolving all around the world. They do church not to keep a, a religious regime or routine, but are just simply loving one another and doing life together in diverse groupings and communities. And these very organic communities, would often, often they would uh, come together and they set out to do something together to express their passion to help other people or to express their compassion for the needy through various uh, activities together. You know, uh, uh, I, I know of such a group, for example, in Manila, you know, that uh, this group, almost every week, they go visit a, a, 
an orphanage out at the fringe of Manila that they have adopted, they are supplying for, and, and they kept, uh, every time they meet on a Sunday is for that. But the meeting is on Friday, that's their church, so to say, where they have, of course, uh, 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 they worship together, they share the word together, encourage one another together. But their Sunday is actually serving at the orphanage that this group has adopted and, and, and sustained, and they, and they serve them over years already. This is, and this is just one example of such groupings, just very naturally coming together and say, shall we do this together? Let's... Let's review the love of Christ in this way together. And this is just one example. I know of others that, that they have different kind of reach. I know even one group that they, they do line dancing. It's a lady, they organize. I don't even know what is line dancing. Do you dance in a line? I don't know. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, I never found out what, but I heard them share that they're very effective. They manage to gather many ladies together to do their... I don't know how you do line dancing. I don't know. <laughs> but, but they're effective. And truth actually uh, brought many to Christ. Many came to, to experience their community and love and hear the gospel through their interaction and, and, and being helped by them in other practical ways beyond their line dancing together in a line. <laughs> yeah. it's, I just, the many, many, many uh, very organic expressions. You know? And, and I'm, today I'm just going to seed many hearts here. Seeds will fall on the hearts where you may... Realize actually all along I have this idea in my heart, but it's just so unconventional. It's not done in the institutional church that I always suppress it. You know, it might just be the Holy Spirit actually all along wanting to express something through you. And all these activities that they do are, you know, they they, they become kingdom expressions that powerfully touch lives and win souls for our King Jesus. And these are what I call missional communities. What are missional communities? Communities that, that they are on mission. They, they come together. They love Jesus. They may not fit the, our idea of what is doing church together in such an organized corporate way, but they gather with mission in their heart. We want to love on people. We want to love God by loving people. And we want to do, and, and we want to review this in very practical ways. So these are called missional communities. And, and I want to, to just share about this concept over the next few sessions together, the next few weekends together. You know, what, what are missional communities? You know, uh, studies have made of these groupings, you know, why they are so alive and, and they're fast expanding and they are very effective in, in revealing the reality as well as the love of God in very practical ways in the environments that they are found in. So I want to share some characteristics of such missional uh, communities, all right? Characteristics. And, and I believe uh, it will stir many hearts, I believe, in our midst who would resonate with this. Now, first of all, um, such missional communities, they are not clergy dependent. That means they, 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 they do not uh, all have to have a professional uh, uh, pastors full-time uh, in their midst to direct them, to teach them what God is saying, to tell them what God is saying, and uh, the meaning of every scripture in the Bible, you know, and, and, and organize them to do something together as a mission uh, they don't. They are not dependent on the professional clergy, so to say. They do not need teachers and pastors to instruct them in the Word every week. They do not because they have a own word life. You know, and, and they do not need paid staff and professionals to lead them, to organize activities for them. Uh, these are some of the this is a characteristic. Another characteristic of such missional community is that they, they all have their very unique expressions uh, 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 each. In, in each group, depending on their gifting in that group. 
depending on, on their experiences of the people within that group, the group that the people that constitute their community. So so some maybe like I told you recently, um, did I tell you? Oh no, no, it was maybe at the camp, is it? Where I talk about how uh, one of my men in China, uh, he, he's a pastor, but he's also known as a Lao Ta of Tian Dan Che. You know, uh, he, he, uh, the, the group that's doing Harley Davidson and, and, and uh, all that. Uh, he, he's known because he's passion, he loves that as a hobby. Today, he's the number one in Beijing known to be that. You know, and, and people, and he organizes rallies where they go out, you know, in 30, 50, room, room throughout, and that gets a lot of attention and more hobbies joining. And through that, he, 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 say, he, he shared the gospel with them effectively, you know. And that is his expression. You know, uh, some group here, you maybe, you know, uh, uh, you, you have certain things that, that actually the Holy Spirit has seeded you in your heart about your group and how you can find expression in such a way that, that our King is revealed through you, through your group, you know, in your group activities. Alright, so it's, it's all unique. It's not designed centrally like, oh, this group, huh? you all do Bible study, okay? And then on, on this day, this day you, you all must do uh, door-to-door evangelism. The Holy Spirit awakens their creativity and they do it in a unique strength according to the people that constitute their group. Amen? Amen. Okay, then another characteristic, you know, uh, of such uh, 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 groupings uh, is that uh, they, they don't have buildings to maintain or clergy to support. So their resources are, are, are very much utilized for the outreach, for what they intend to do to impact people around them. Alright, that is... Uh, uh, a major characteristic about such groupings. All right? And they may give to a common cause to do something together for synergy. You know? so, so the resources are very much uh, uh, optimized to be able to, uh, to be targeted at the field, so to say, to bring in the harvest. Okay, then uh, another characteristic is this. I can give you all the notes. Huh? You don't have to copy. I, we, just let me know. I gladly give you all these uh, the notes. Yeah. And other things that they have a very simple KPI. You know what's KPI, right? The key performance index. Huh? Like what, what, what is the definition of success in what we do? What are we trying to achieve? Very simple. They just want to experience Jesus and share them with others. So when they come together to experience uh, 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 the love of God, you know, they, they, they will work together to, sh- to share this in their own unique way. You know? uh, so basically, loving God and loving their neighbor it's loving God by loving their neighbor. This is, in that sense, the, the, the motivation in their heart. You know? And I believe that there are many people in our midst, you, you already have the motivation in your heart. Even over the camp, towards the last day, when we sit down to recall the teaching points, the learning points, many also share your ideas. Right? Remember, towards the last uh, uh, session, we have a time for us, every group to share. You have fantastic ideas, which, which I want to collate. We want to collate. We ask of you, those group leaders in the camp, to, to please eat, to send it to us, what you all shared that night. All the very creative ideas that is already inside of you that you have wanted to do all along. And some were sparked off by the, the camp that you say, you know what, I can do this. Someone want to organize baking. Because it's her expertise in baking, and, and she knows she has a ready crowd. If she does that, there will be a crowd there that she can build bridges of relationship with, and ultimately to impact them and to love on them uh, for Jesus. So uh, I just want to encourage us that this is very simple. 
It's very simple what we set out to do. Okay, another characteristic of such missional community is that they have very different rhythm of activities. So while we may have, a, let's say, a live group, you know, on a Friday evening primarily and on Saturday, they, they may start group during lunchtime on a Wednesday because he knows, you know, uh, uh, his office, you know, in his company. That is a, a, a time of... Or a, uh, window opportunity for him to be able to do a, a Christian fellowship, a gathering, or something like that. Many of us may like to do that. Many of you may like to do that. You know, so it's very, very different uh, rhythm of ac- of activities, uh, um, and and typically uh, and not according to a, a typical business, so to say, a business cycle of the institutional church. You know, they they, they just well. Basically, this is the principle here. The whens and whats of the community are established by the lifestyle and interests of the people who comprise a community and not the other way around. We, we don't tell you what is your interest and what you must engage in centrally, but you know your unique gifting and uh, strength from the Lord and leading of the Holy Spirit. Right. So that means there is no strict requirements of certain things that must be done or certain regime to be performed every week. It's a very organic rhythm that prevails. It's like following the seasons rather than follow the clock. You know? yeah. So as a group, maybe as a certain season, they feel like the Lord is putting on their heart for mercy expression. You know? And the season, someone say, you know what, I have this open door to be able to minister to their, to their home. Like recently, you know, we, we have a group that, go, uh, that went to minister at Safe Haven. Yeah, is, is that what you call it? No, not Safe Haven. Uh, what Haven? Peace haven, peace haven, right, right. You know, yeah, it was on your heart, you know, and say, let's do this together. You know, it's, there's, there's a moment of opportunity and we harness people and resources to, to bring the kingdom there. You know, there's a season and a grace for doing something. Some may be a one-time event, some may be a prolonged thing, but, you know, let, we let life lead us. Basically, let the Holy Spirit direct us. All right, now. Can you adjust a little bit further? I feel like there's a booming. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so this is where, where I like us to examine then, you know, institutional church, missional communities. You know, I want to I want to title this institutional church versus missional communities, but I feel like mm, doesn't sound so good. Like like they're in competition. They are not. It's, 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 I'm just and I don't want us to go into that frame of mind. Are you saying that we can stop doing this now and do that? You know, no, 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 no. So I want us to be able to examine the difference of it because I believe God is wanting to find new expression through us. Yeah. And if there be any change, it will be very gradual. But there will be those that latch on to it very fast. Those who say, no, no, I prefer to stay uh, doing church this way, you know, and all are loved by God. But I believe God is wanting to find new expression through us as a church community. All right. Now, the, this, the disciplines of a missional community actually differ very, very much from the traditional practice. All right. And the institutional church as a whole, because our goal is participation. So we primarily help people develop the discipline of attendance, you know, of giving and serving in the church. And, and so uh, private your, your own private disciplines such as prayer, fasting, and scripture reading are of course encouraged, and we talk about that very much, like reading the book together and all that. But not necessarily for sustaining uh, the program-based organization. All right, that's a characteristic of institutional church. Whereas in a, mi- a missional community, however, maturation is the end, is the goal. 
the maturation of the saints. So developing people who are, who are uh, sincere followers of Jesus is very important. You know? It's like what uh, New Cole said, the good soil. Those that come to our midst and they're hungry, they want to grow, you know, and, and, and we want to focus on that. You know, that as the focus, uh, and not necessarily building a, a corporate goal together. All right, don't get me wrong now, don't prejudge me. Let me express what, what, what I feel that is, uh, is the difference between, uh, in the focus between institutional church and missional communities. All right, commun- communal practice and in a, in a missional community, our, our communal practice and, and our personal growth and formation is very intertwined because each person expresses the life of the community that, that is unique in, in him or her. So the discipline, like the discipline of generosity, service, you know, authenticity of relationship, you know, compassion, uh, all these are needed to sustain a missional community, yeah, which is very different from in this, in, in this corporate kind of a institutional uh, gathering because by now you know that such settings tend to be more consumerist. It's a consumerist model or program, you know, and, and uh, that requires the, the member to support it. You know, if the member stops supporting it, then, then we cease to function, you know. So as long as the program delivers what people want and expect, people will, in addition, uh, then, then people will uh, continue to... to to sustain it. You know. In addition, you know, being a, a, a church member in such a setting really doesn't require you to get along with other people, <laughs> to love on other people actually in such a setting. You know. However, in a community, in a missional community, um, there's a prerequisite of dealing with one another, working through differences. You know. So being in community actually requires a greater commitment for a person to journey beyond himself or herself. You know, to be able to, to, to practice love and be loved, a lot more requirement than that, than just coming to a service and going. I mean, it's, it's a fact, you know. So missional community is a very different expression of church than its congregational cousin, you know. Yeah. It's a different expression from congregational church. It differs in its rhythm, celebration, activities, and KPI, all right. I, I understand not everyone would embrace it. Yeah, I understand. Nor, nor is it going to replace uh, centuries of church practice, centuries of, of doing church this way. But um, today I want to highlight to all of us, I want to communicate with all of us, it is a growing phenomenon. This way of doing church, it is a growing phenomenon and you cannot be ignorant of it. You know, there is this growing uh, 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 movement around the world that, that is definitely breathed upon by the Spirit of God. It's expressing church in a very different way. And now we, we are basically witnessing the rise of a, a new expression of church, a new life form, you can say that, in the body of Christ. And, and such new expression, though it, contains, um, though it contains the DNA of the original movement founded by Jesus, its expression is rather different from the institutional church that has developed over the centuries. So it is a church, uh, yeah, it is a church for a new day, done in a new way, uh, you know, uh, in this time that we can call, it's a post-congregational era of Christianity. A new church life form, this, this new church life form is what I call the missional community. And I want to to touch on this in the next few sessions. In many ways, actually, the rise of such a, 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 a 
way of doing church is really going back to the early days where it was still, in the early days, it was a movement. You do know, right? When Christianity first started, it was a movement before it became church as we know it. When church transformed from becoming from a movement into a congregation, there was a change that took place. All right, and I want to take a moment to, ex- to, to explain this change. This change to become church as a congregation. A group of people, certain fixed activity in a certain fixed place. That's what I mean by church as a congregation. Church did not start that way. All right? don't, don't, don't throw your shoes at me. Yeah, enough, please let me, allow me to express. For most of Christian history, actually, con- congregational gatherings like this have served as the places for believers to, to come together, especially those that live uh, quite near. Uh, geographically, you know, they will come together and meet to practice their faith. This is called church as a congregation. If there's a fixed place, and especially those that are nearer to it, uh, they feel more convenient to come together and practice their faith together. Uh, this is congregational gathering. But I want us to know this was not always like this from the beginning. It was not. For most of his first 300 years of, uh, of Christianity, Christianity was a movement, mainly a street movement. It wasn't in a place for the first 300 years. It was a marketplace phenomenon that spread through the the various stratas of societies from the palace to the ghettos, uh, uh, among the rich and the poor, uh, the the slave and the free. It was a movement, uh, uh, a a street phenomenon, phenomenon, actually. But, Something did change, you know. And it happens in very unique, in each individual enclaves and habitats. Very, very different environment. That's where church is experienced. So gatherings of believers took place primarily in, in the first 300 years, wherever life took place. In homes, in their workplace, out in a fishing boat, you know, or, and in some, more, some suitable public places. And their meeting primarily is for fellowship and, and teaching and worship. And wherever they meet together, they, they, and they love to pray together. So what I'm trying to say is that the gathering itself was not the focus of Christian spirituality. It's what happens at the gathering that is the focus of it. So what I'm getting at is Christianity was primarily a practice a way of life. Very different from the way we, we see it, perceive it, and do it today. It was a practice, a way of life for, for a massively growing group of people all over the place in different strata of society, in different environments. Yeah. So primarily in that, in, that setting, the, in that setting, the love for God and for their neighbor was expressed through a life of sacrificial service that distinguished them as followers of Jesus, and that made them a, and that made them a countercultural force, very powerful force, because the way they lived their life was so different. They were differentiated from the rest of the people around them by the character of their lives, not which church they attend on the weekend. It's the character of their lives, what they focus on, what they they deem important and give expression to. Very different from unbelievers, so to say. In those times. You know, the early believers, if you read church history, they, they would rescue babies abandoned by the Roman households, especially girls. So some things never change. Oh. So sad. Huh? 
especially girls. You know, they, they actually rescue those babies and it's recorded in church history that they were done by the people of the way, um, the, 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 the Christians actually. They would stay behind and tend to the sick people when plagues would, would break out and, and population fled cities. The Christians stay back to minister to the sick. That was what happened. And so they were differentiated by that, their lifestyle, their values. Wow, it's, it's very heavenly. It's very kingdom kind of values they live by. That was what made them different and differentiated them. In other words, the, the Christians, so to say, the Jesus followers, they demonstrated allegiance to Jesus in those days primarily when they were away from their gatherings. You understand? They, were, they touched and impacted people around them when they were outside their gathering, not when they were inside their gathering. Which is very different today. We, we, we want to bring people to church to, to hear my pastor preach so that you can be born again. You know, you know, and, and, and come and let the anointed uh, uh, healing ministry people lay hands on you and you might get healed. You know, in those days, their main impact happens outside. And, which means that the church then, they represented a lifestyle. Everybody say lifestyle. A lifestyle that was radically different from their peers, from the cult cultural surroundings, and they were radically committed to the well-being of the people around them. The love of God was expressed to them in very practical ways. That was their focus in expressing, expressing the glory of their King, not, not in trying to bring people to church to be impressed by certain programming or certain great preaching and teaching. It was so different. That's why I said before in past session that church then was very centrifugal. It goes out, you know, it swings out. There's a momentum swinging out, you know. But today we have turned it around to be centripetal. We, we try to gather, try to pull in. We try to be attractional. Then it was missional, the goal. That's the difference. So, so how did this change? It was a movement for that reason. But from movement, devolve into congregation. And I want to take a moment to explain why, so that we understand when we talk about organic movement today, why? Again, another church model won't work one. You know, you're judging it before you understand the heart of it. It was a movement. The church was a movement. It became a congregation. What, what happened? What brought about this change, this shift, this Mutation, actually. Because along the way, this orientation of being missional communities and movement, it changed. And what changed? The movement got domesticated. Yeah, just like a dog or a horse got domesticated. You know, stop going out and be wild. Stay and be good. Quite, quite, quite. You know, the, the, because the imperial uh, edict, you know, by Constantine, you all do know, right? Constantine basically, uh, he was the one blamed, lah for evolvement of a clergy class. Yeah, he was the one that stopped everything and said, no, I'll, I will be the... Today he's regarded as the first pope. You know? yeah. uh, Peter is the first pope and he's, he's the next pope. You know? and, and, and the clergy class started then. Appointed priests that are qualified people to read the Bible on behalf of the rest of Christendom. So what happened was, was this, that... This need you know, to create a state religion at that time, you know, as well as the, the clergy appointed by the, the, the emperor being obliged to comply, uh, 
these two forces combine to centralize and institutionalize the Christian movement. I want you to know what transpired then. All right? The church was congregationalized henceforth from that point. So this move profoundly altered the, altered the way church was perceived and practiced ever since, ever since. When this switch took place, the idea of believers gathering together as the central practice of the faith this was further enhanced and elevated when the church then uh, they settled down into a, a religion dominated by clergy, the qualified uh, priests. You know, and, and this was further elevated. You know. Then we must gather to hear the qualified. Ma. You are not qualified. You are not qualified. He is qualified. He looks holier the way he dressed. Already by his dressing, he's more qualified. You know. so, so it changed, profoundly changed the way we see and practice church. So church has congregation developed. Developed this expectation that people would demonstrate their devotion to the faith, how? By participating in our congregational activity, which centrally involved the worship service, much like church is being done today. So rather than a lifestyle of counter-cultural sacrifice, sacrificial love of our neighbour, now the adherence to the faith became centred on assembling uh, on, on assenting, agreeing uh, to a set of doctrinal beliefs you know, that we hold as important in this church, so to say. You know, and, and also now it's centered on practicing a certain accepted set of religious discipline in this grouping, you know, whether it be attendance or, or whatever, you know, coming together you know, for prayer meeting or whatever. Become, you do this, then, then that is your adherence to the faith. You know, evolved that way. So Christianity then became defined as a set of theological prep- propositions, you know, rather than a way of life. You understand this? I know this gets a little dry you know, for some people, but believe me, this is important. This forms the tenet of our faith. Why we do church today? What is motivating us to do it this way? It drives us today for, for the right reason or wrong reason. It, it, it influences our decision making. Why we organize church the way we, we have. And so today we need to revisit, and that's why I say rediscover church. You know, Christianity became a theological proposition rather than a lifestyle. So what happened is that this inevitably or invariably bring about sacred, secular dichotomy or separation. You know? Or if you do this together, well, yeah, this is a sacred activity. Then when you, when you don't, you're not holy. You know? Not sacred. That one is not sacred. You know? So congregational life became because of that, then congregational life and this way of practicing church became very different from normal lifestyle. So it became religious. You know? So it became more and more, you know, in China they like to say, you know, like uh, we got decoupled from life itself because now it's a very specific set of religious beliefs we embrace together in this community. Religious Practices we perform together as a community. And so when we do that, then we are holding on to our faith. So it becomes very different from normal life on the outside, you understand? So then that's how church became a sacred place where sacred doctrines is inculcated and their sacred acts are being performed in this, in this sacred in, uh, uh, institution. They become very different from the way life was. But if you notice that early believers, 
There's no such separation. Life is going out and, and, and daring to touch a leper and speak healing over him. That is Christianity. You know, but today, Christianity, we must come to church. You don't come to church, you backslide already. You backslide already. You know? Yeah, it, it, it really has changed. <laughs> so I want to, so don't, don't be offended by my words. You know, if you're offended, you need this message. You know, there's a, yeah, the, the religiosity has bitten you, has gotten into your blood as a child of God, you know. So with such a shift, it's a major shift. So when Constantine basically did this, you know what? Large cathedrals have to be built because if you stop people from meeting at home, then we need a large place. So large cathedrals were, were built. They were built to become now the, the base. So but big cathedrals were built. You know, I like uh, a Chinese pastor who say, They call it Taapenying, the base where all the activities, you know, is centralized and to take place, you see. So large cathedrals were built for, for, to be a base for such sacred activities. And you know what that did? That effectively pulled church out from the street, out from all the homes, and centralized them into these sacred buildings. That was what happened. And so until today, this this has not left us. With that transformation, that change, uh, then, then loyalty to Christ now is measured by your participation in this activity at the Tapening, at the base, at the, the, the big cathedral. And then this now continues as it is. As I showed us a chart before, this started in the 4th century until now it's still the same model today. Once a week, we gather people to the Tapening, to the base, to the you know, and then we inculcate, we share what the Word says, what God is saying through the Word. And, and so, it's largely still practiced this way. All right, in exchange for this support, uh, the church must provide support from the people. Then the church must provide goods and services uh, that is members-like. So, so then we evolve a whole new church industry where we talk about being seeker-friendly, you know, you must, you know, what the standard of ushering, uh, the kind of sound, aircon, plus chairs, all this come in, no? then because you've got customers to win. Ma. Sorry, I, I'm not being critical here. It's what happened. I'm just stating it as it is. What, this is how it evolved. Because when you have a centralized place of doing this and you have members you need to please, then you know what? This will inevitably and have already inevitably led to competition. Competition by different congregations to fight for the market share. Yeah, it's true. This is how it will evolve. So then I'll do it this, I'll do it better than you. I will give better service. Okay, our paid pastor, you must visit every home, okay? You know, or whatever, you know, you must go, you know, within how much time you must you must already be at the hospital if someone gets hospitalized in our midst. You know, and then quota, cell leaders, you know, how many, you know, quota you must meet, you know. So we fight, we hone our product and services, you know, to, to be able to, to have even more customers, so to say, you know, because it's consumerist in its nature. That's why I don't like it. I told my wife before, why we call church gathering the service? Yes, you see the very core of it, we come to receive a service. So we choose all which service we like. That side, I don't like. The chair, very hard. My panta, painful. You know, or that side, I don't like. These are real things I hear, yeah? Yeah, I don't like the church. The song's too fast. Jump, jump, jump. You know, the, the music's so fast. Hey, not for you, leh. It's for God. And God, he, he, he can. God is, God rocks, you know. So, but we choose, uh, now we choose which one, you know. Uh, yeah, 
like restaurant like that, Lord, this food here too too much. And then Pastor John, very chong hey one. The service are, wow, I talk talk one hour. Like, I just want 30 minutes, no more than that. Yeah. So we choose, uh, we pick and choose. We, we, it's become a service place. That's why we call it church service. We go there and receive service. The whole shift has changed. Wow. How far we have fallen actually from the original intention and nature and, and DNA of the, of the community of God's people. Powerful counter-cultural force that display the kingdom love and value and, and all. And today it's become a competition for, for, for greater clientele, greater market share. Mm. And the next moment I want to talk about this. The church is a who not an it. Church as congregation has become something other than the people who, made, who really is, who made up what is church. So now church is not the people anymore, it's an enterprise, you see. So it becomes an it already. Lo. Yeah, it, you know. How do we grow it, you know, rather than, you know, yeah, how, how, do, how do we nurture uh, the church? Because church is people. It's like if, don't use the word church, God's people. Let's say it's evolved as God's people. You cannot say, oh, this Sunday I need to go to God's people. You better go to God's people with me, our children. So because it becomes an eat, you see. It's an event we go to. So now, hey, better go to church. Like, better go to God's people. <laughs> but, uh, mom, aren't we God's people? You know, shut up. <laughs> it's changed. The nature has been changed by us. The church became it. It stood outside the people. It's a separate entity now. And this contradicts the New Testament uh, understanding of church as a who. So I say, the church is a who, not an it. The Bible reveals clearly to us that the church is the incarnation of Jesus in the world. He became flesh the ch- among us. And we all carry His life in us. The church together is an organic life form, an entity that's vitally connected with Jesus, even married to Him. Depending on which scripture you're reading, it's always described as a life. It's a life. It's a, this group of people that, is, that has the life of Christ in them and they are connected to Christ. It's not an organization, an enterprise, a business. It's never that. You know, and, but, but, oh, church. In the Bible, it's an organ. It's a, the church as an organic entity has become an institution, a religious enterprise. And many of us are so used to it. So as a result, now, institutional goals now and activities have displaced and supplanted spiritual mission and expression. It, it's a different nature in many ways. All right. Over time, the clergy who initially served as spiritual leader, really spiritual leader, you know what? They were displaced by or have to adjust to become organizational managers administrative uh, uh, executive in order to be able to manage the, the, the church as we know it. It's true. So now, just being a, a, a spiritual leader, that you go, not enough. You know, you must have the administrative skill, you must have a CEO, you know, uh, 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 ability. If not, you employ someone to have that because church is an enterprise now, you know, and you need those practice, those skill set, you see. You know, I'm not saying all these are evil and wrong. Please uh, don't jump the conclusion yet. Let, you know, give, give me a chance to exp- express this. It's time that we, we, we are aware 
that there are changes in, in order for us to be healed and whole again. And the church should be able to be what God has created us to be. You know? Because with this institutionalization, then clergy or church leaders, uh, they become increasingly captured over time by organizational concerns at best. Or even political agenda in the worst cases. It's, it's, the nature has changed. And so, reformation is needed. The reformation primary, you know the reformation of Martin Luther the, uh, in the 15th, 19th, uh, 16th century. You know, the reformation primarily adjusted the theology, but it did very little to the ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is the, our understanding and study of the way we practice church, the ecclesiastes. It's done very little to that. But theology is, oh, you know, we are saved by faith. The judge shall live by faith, not by works, not by performance. That, that was a good thing. But we did not touch the ecclesio ecclesiology, yeah, basically. It still stays as the, the same hierarchical structure of the Dark Ages. Uh, by the way, we went to the Dark Ages because of that. When God's people do not read the Word themselves anymore, they let a few professionals read it on their behalf, and the professional read it in Latin, no? You, you, you became brain dead. We don't know what God is saying, and they are not allowed to read the Bible. They are not qualified. This is satanic, you see, this satanic in cutting the, peop the people of God off the Word, off the interaction and communion with God. And the world laps into dark age, to the dark ages. This we need to know. So with that happening, right? With that happening, church really become a place, a building, and a set of religious doctrine and practices there. And by participating, oh, you are adhering to the faith. And this actually has been helped by our transportation technology. Because now it's not in your home. You've got to travel there. Hey, then with transportation, now we can drive. You know? Uh, I know people they even fly uh, to uh, uh, another country for the church service that, that he or she likes and fly back after the weekend because now we can afford it. You know? And so that even further reinforced uh, that. You know, the congregation is this place that I go to. Church is a congregation I go to. I practice my faith there. You know, and this, this further exacerbate the competition among the congregations you know, to, to, wow, to up their services, the quality of their services, to attract more of the market share. Because now people can travel. Previously, people can't. So if you are in that uh, Antioch, you go to the church at, in Antioch, you are at, at Ephesus, uh, at, at another place, Galatia, whatever, you know, you, until it's in Galatia, you know, or in Ephesus. You go to where, where the people of God are, they found a suitable, suitable place together. But now we can fly, we can drive there. People drive across the island to be at a place that they have the service that they like. You, you see that? So why? Because um, this is built on the assumption that the community or individual transformation would result from having great congregations with well-trained clergy, well-designed programs and services. It is actually flawed. So with that, then you come to the rise of bigger and bigger congregation as a, a definition of success. You know? So the rise of mega church or mega church culture. In the second half of the 20th century, the rise of the mega church is, is, a, is, a, is a new phenomenon of modern time, actually, where the bigger and bigger, and it's equated as more and more successful. And that actually 
parallel what was going on in the business world, in the retail world, when the, you know, like in the US, the Walmarts come out, knocks out all the what we call the moms and pops shops. It's the same. So when a mega church come out, all the mom and pop perishes, all the little just they shut down because now here's better service. Wow, but you know, there's a uh, synergy. Say economy of scale in doing things, big LED wall that cost two million dollars, and all that. Wow, I don't even have to worship anymore. It's so interesting the worship that happens in front, you know, smoke machine and all, you know, pyrotechnics. You know, uh, it, it's very attractive. No, I, I'm not saying that, that that itself is evil. Many do do it out of noble reason that we are wanting to attract souls, it is done for good reason. Most of the time. Most of the times, you know. But it, it, it's not good enough. You know, it's, a, it's a departure from the original nature of the church. So, so, so what, what they've done is that such a culture have reinforced believers' sense that church is a congregation that I go to. It's something outside of me that I, I, that I belong to, I must attend or go to, uh, an institution that I support, a branding that I like, or uh, they have that doctrine, that kind of teaching that I align with. So I choose and I go down there. It became a competition, a marketplace of ideas, doctrines, you know, and, and, and some claim they have the celeb factor. These are real things that people tell me. No, my, our church do better because we have celeb factor. We've got celebrities in our midst. You should also add some celebrity to your midst. You know, attract some, you know. It will help you grow the church. <laughs> I thought Jesus was already quite famous, you know. Yeah, I think he's the greatest celebrity, Jesus, you know. <laughs> yeah, these are real things I hear people talk about, you know. I, I've been in pastors' uh, gathering where they talk this. I hear one pastor asking the others, you know, tell me how to keep the hype factor going. I find it's very tiring because every week we need to up the ante, up the ante so that people are kept. I hear them discussing, then, then they discuss methods, how to keep it high, how to, and then use a song as well and the music to so you end at a high note and people go away with tears and then they will want to come back again and they talk, they, they talk among themselves how to keep Attractive. Wow, it's, one, uh. it's very tiring. Uh. I don't do church that way. Uh. Yeah. So, okay, having said that, before you kill me, uh. you are in diet. No, no, no. I'm a product of mega church. Lord have mercy. Much good has been done by congregation. I need to, I need to say this because I have made the mistakes of the mo- when I was exposed to the ecosystem of organic church movement, I started to have disdain for the institutionalized church. That was 20 years ago. And the Lord arrested my heart. I am still master of my house. If you judge my house, you are, you are judging me. And the Lord says this to me, I did not show you the problem of the church in order for you to judge, but you, that you might be part of the solution and the reformation. I repented before the Lord. I'm making it very short. It was a dealing, wow, very painful for me. Because when I left to be a missionary in China, I saw a whole different ecosystem that I said, this is a no-brainer way to go forward, man. No money down. Wow, huge explosion, multiplication, changed life, maturation of the saints. I mean, it's, and then come back to, uh, oh, you know, to slogans and good feeling and then we only see each other once a week if we get to sit near on the same row. <laughs> yeah, because it gets so big. I don't know most of my family in a, in a mega setting. You know. So I want to say this, much good has been done by congregation. It's God expressing His good through the congregation. And God has done many good, th- good things through congregation. I, 
over the years. Much has been done by churches, congregational churches in mercy work, for example. It's a fact. In aiding the, the poor, in, 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 in um, uh, a disaster relief work, in ministering to the, to the marginalized and the broken, in reaching the lost. Much has been done. You and I today, I would dare to say all of us, we are product of such ventures. I don't know how many actually come from an organic church movement. I don't think any. I don't think. Yeah. We are all, and we are thankful for that. Wells have been dug in countless villages by congregational effort. Schools set up in, among the poor. Hospitals built to give medical aid to those who cannot afford it. Much, much have been done. And these are the work of the Lord, work of the Holy Spirit through His people in congregational settings. Do you all agree? I mean, much has been done. Added to all of this is the spiritual teaching that have taken place, nurturing millions of, of believers each week, in, every week in the church services all over the world and, and continuing to, to bring many to, the, to Christ. It's still going on. The challenge of this is when we celebrate that, we must not let the good prevent us from the best. From what, is a, a, what seems like good prevent us from that which is of God which is far greater, far greater than God wants to do. I want, so what I'm saying here is we're not judging this is bad. If, if this is bad, I won't show up today. But I see the good in it. I know God has a season for all things. Revival is a process. You know, and when God reveals more light and revelation, you know, we are awakened to His heartbeat and, and then that's where His grace flows through us to find new expression. So all, all this that has been done through a congregational church, we should celebrate, we should honour yeah, but I'm certain. I, I'm certainly not advocating or even predicting that you know the end of congregational expression of Christianity. No, there will still be many congregations when Jesus come. Exactly doing church this way, because many are, are, are still serve in their spiritual journey through the effort of the congregational church. Millions are still being brought to, to Christ, but the congregation, you know what, is here to stay. I know. I know that. But I'm, what I'm trying to, to suggest to us you know, in this journey together is to point out to you that this one view of church has been so predominant in today's church culture that it has made it to, to, it, it has made it to be like, it seems like the only legitimate expression of church, which is not. I want us to know it is not. And, and much has to change if we want to be true to what God has called us to be. Anything that takes place today outside of church as a congregation, uh, uh, seems suspicious or even sacrilegious to some. You know, oh, how come that person? Uh, how can he do this work? What, what covering? What covering? Yeah, among leaders, they talk like that. You know, there's a guy, you know, go on the street, you know, pray for the thing. Huh? Is it your sheep, man? That one? Huh? No covering. Uh. What covering? Covering, no, you wear clothes. It's covering, you know. <laughs> we, because we saw that outside means, you know, it is not so official, not, not, not legal, you see. Yeah. Even the expression of para church, para means outside, you know. Para church ministry, it actually makes no sense biblically. Either you're in church or you are going to hell, I mean, you're outside. There's no para church, you know. You're para Christ. Not really a Christian, but I'm para Christian. You know, it's made to sound like the, to affirm the supremacy of the church as a congregation. This, we got used to it over the years. We are brought up in this. So it has taken years for the church, house church movement to gain respect. Today, if I tell you what the statistics that come through from the explosive organic church movement, you will be like, what are we still doing this on a Saturday? We should be part of that. Really, really. Millions are pouring in. That's the fastest growing uh, movement right now around the world. 
You're talking like, 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 like 20,000 churches in three years just because of one person exposed to what is happening, go back to the home country, boom. You know, house churches, no need to get a building, no money down. It's people living their Christian life very naturally where they are, which is how church was in the first 300 years. So I'm, I'm closing now. I am, I'm just attempting today or through this series uh, to raise awareness, awareness of what are missional communities. That means we come together with a mission, not, not without aim, you know, not without aim, you know. Uh, sometimes I, 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 go to, I went to meetings where, where the leaders had to say, you know, you know uh, there's no agenda today. We, no agenda. We come together with no agenda. No, you have agenda. If not, we will not be organizing all of this, you know. Yeah, they try to say that it's for the Holy Spirit to lead us, you know. Missioner communities have agenda. We want to enjoy Christ. We want to share with the world how enjoyable He is. That's a mission. That's why it's called missional communities. And I really believe that God wants us to know what are missional communities and we'll begin to give expression to it in our own unique ways in the days ahead. And this is what we want to call awareness to. I believe this is what He's bringing about all over the world right now in preparing the church to be able to, to bring in the harvest that He intends to bring in. Church as it is right now in its current form cannot cannot bring in or sustain the harvest that God wants to bring in. I'm utterly sure about this. We need a, a vehicle that's far more nimble, flexible, utilizing our home, our office, our stadiums, everywhere. To, you know, cannot. Just, just using an, uh, something like that on a weekend or two hours, paying through our nose for it. It's not able to do the job. I know there are people upset with me saying that, but, but I'm, I'm, I, can st- I'm, I want to stake my life on this. I'm very sure. I, don't forget, before you judge me, I have been part of organic movement for the last 20 over years now in China. I saw what can be possible. And in fact, this, just in recent time, for those of you who don't know, China's, all the congregational churches, thousands have been shut down. Just over a few weeks ago, the latest edict that came out was that more than five people, we can arrest you. So many of the congregational gathering has stopped, completely stopped. Those that have already gone back to, to house churches, they are, th- they are thriving. Because for, for, for years now, I've been, I've been telling them, go back, go back. Because they started as an organic house church movement, and then as more and more freedom comes, they, they build up instead of reach out. And so, together with that, their growth taper off and plateau out. Now, the, what is happening in the last few years actually is good in China. It brings them back to their original DNA. They flourished during the, 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 the persecution in the early 80s. Flourished under extreme, extreme persecution. They flourished. And then the growth tapered off when they have freedom. When they were allowed to build church up rather than reach out. They built up. And now they're going back. And I'm happy actually. Uh, just in, uh, which month was that? In uh, January, I brought new call uh, to our people in China to re- remind them and re-establish the concept of organic movement in our church. And immediately among our close core group, 60 over group, 61 group have started uh, within the first one and a half months. 61, and it's still growing. It is still growing. That group, they are the most thankful for what happened in the last one month. You know, when this edict came out and this new rule, you know, they say, we are thriving. Thank you for bringing, you know, this message to us in time. We have already changed. But sadly, those that have not changed after the January meeting, they have stopped. And this, what I heard, they have already stopped. Stopped meeting and they are scared. The people are not, 
ready yet to, to go back into a house church. So people, we need to adapt to what is happening around the world right now. And the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us uh, much in recent times. And even right now, we, we need to know, we need to know that we must expand the bandwidth of how we think church can express itself, itself, especially in such a time as this. We need to or else we are in real trouble. I tell you, even with the rise of mega congregations, decades of emphasis on church growth, church growth and church growth methodology, and large infusions of money and people and resources, you know what? The congregational approach of doing church has actually entered its, its declining period. Very, very obviously. I shared with us before, right? In the US right now, you know, it's the most number of mega church in the history of the church. They have 2,000 mega churches right now in, in, in the US. And how to qualify? As long as you have like 1,200 people, you qualify to be a mega church. And, and, and they have 2,000, but the total number of people going to church have dramatically dropped. So it's not a sum total gain for the kingdom. It's a lot of transfer growth. You know? So we must know that, hey, God is highlighting this to us. I want people home. I want my children to be reconciled. And your current way of doing things need to change. You know, need to let, we need to let the Holy Spirit express Himself to us a lot more than what we are doing, keeping our, our, our regime, our schedule. We have entered into the era called post-congregational. We have. And so we need, no, we need not fear this trend. In fact, we should see great opportunity, great potential for the harvest of souls that it presents. It's actually called decentralization. It is. You all know what's blockchain technology? It's decentralization. Why big, large franchises, retail shops are collapsing? Because it's too centralized, you know, and it's collapsing now. Why? People are decentralized now. I can buy from anyone I like. Someone doing uh, uh, what? Trinklers at home can put on the internet and sell. It's called decentralized. Directly, no more middleman. No more middleman. It's called decentralized. It's the key word in this generation, in this time right now. Everything is decentralized. Blockchain technology is going to be far bigger than internet technology. And some people are fearing, what is this? Ah? You know, it's, it, it's far more powerful than internet technology. It's, it's said to be 10 times in its impact than internet technology in the way it will revolutionize our life. So get acquainted with it. And the key behind it, in essence, is decentralization. All the centralized behemoth kind of uh, organization are collapsing. It's not nimble anymore. Right now, the people of God need to to be awakened to the fact that God is wanting to find expression through His people in your own very unique ways, you know, to, to, to reach the environment that you are in, the people in your environment. So we, we need to dis rediscover church, you know. Let's discover church together. Amen? Amen. Let's all rise. Come. Hallelujah. I will continue on this in the next few sessions, you know, and, and explore different ways we can give expression while we are coming together, and as I said before, we, more and more, we're coming together to be equipped and then we want to take this gospel out effectively. We, I, I, I'm looking for partners. I'm looking for co-laborers. I'm looking for people that will resonate and say, Pastor, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, can we talk? I gladly give you time. We want to meet and talk and, and dream together what, what can be possible. What can be possible that God can find expression through us for such a time as this? You know, what we are doing, coming together corporately, let us begin to explore how we can be creative in taking the message out. How, how, who, who are you? What are you carrying that you can contribute in this house? 
what ideas do you have? I want to support you. The church wants to support you to express it. Is it line dancing or circle dancing? Never mind. Tell us. What is your gifting? Really, really. Really. Do we, we have discussed this at length among the, the leaders of the church and we say, how do we, you know, we want to help our people actualize their gifts. Actualize their gifts. We are not talking about building Petra Church. We are talking about ministry of reconciliation. And everyone here holds very powerful gifts. Powerful gifts. And God is wanting to find expression through you. And so I, I want us to, to do this together. Let's rediscover church together. And, and, and it, I, I beg of you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Before you judge this as working, not working, will work, not work. Why don't you talk to the Holy Spirit? What is He talking to you? Because you will be accountable to Him what you are doing with a message like that. And with all sincerity and honesty and, 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 and good intention, I, I try to express what I really feel is the cry of the Spirit in this hour to the church. As one, I unabashedly say, as one who, who traverses different denominational environments, you know, cross-culturally, through church walls, the international borders, I, I, I have a pretty good chance to observe things, hear things, see things, you know, and realize there's something, something very big is happening around the world. And God is wanting to bring about reformation. I believe the final and the greatest reformation is taking place in the house of God. In the house of God, for us to be awakened to the harvest that is at hand. And how all along they are right before us, the harvest. If we can just take away all the religious blinders, they are right before us. Chinese say, is right before us. The harvest is ripe, it's ripe, it's ripe unto harvest. And so Jesus say, cry out to the Lord of the harvest. You know, pray that He will send forth the the, 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 the workers, the, the harvesters. We are the harvesters. Say with me, I'm the harvester. In the days ahead, we want to uh, recall what happened at the camp. All the ideas we want to collate. You know, and we want to seriously pray over all the different ideas. Not everyone will work. We want to filter it by the Holy Spirit. And we want to support initiatives and ventures that's out of this congregation, out of this church family. What you want to do to touch lives around you. Everyone have, have, who have the indwelling Christ has all the power in the universe to impact the world, to impact beginning with the environment around you. We want to serve you in that. The church exists for the saints to be true to what God has, has called you, empowered you to be. He died to put Himself in you. Now, for heaven's sake, give Him expression through you. Amen. Come, let's take, let's worship. Come. You have been listening to a Petra Church recording. We hope that you have been blessed. For more information and resources, visit us at petra.sg.